Welcome to this episode of Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton, where you'll hear thought-provoking discussion, inspirational stories, and get action tips for creating the life of your dreams. Hello and welcome to Ready, Set, Grit, the podcast where current and aspirational entrepreneurs can learn skills and get inspired to take their business to the next level. I'm Ellen Barton, and today we have two guests. Chris Marie Campbell and Susan Clark are business partners, they're coaches, business consultants, speakers, and authors of The Beauty of Conflict. They are both passionate about giving their clients a safe space to learn to navigate conflict and leverage it to access creativity and connection in all of their relationships. Ladies, welcome to the show. Welcome, Ellen. This is Chris Marie and Susan. We're thrilled to be here. Yeah. (laughs) Wonderful. It is so good to have you. You guys have been working together for 16 years, which is amazing. It's not easy to, um, for many people, it's not easy to have a partnership that long in business or anywhere in life. (laughs) (laughs) It's great. I kind of thought it would make sense to start out by hearing your stories and uh, just, you know, briefly hear your stories and hear about how you got into this field in the first place. So um, do you want to kick us off, Susan? Oh, oh. you know, <laughs> I, I tricked you. That's the usual thing. <laughs> you know, but, you, I mean, I may be older, but this is my way of, you know, <laughs> save the best for last or no. I'm do you, do you want to go first, Chris Marie? I'm, I'm no, sorry. I'll go first. I'll go first. Um, because I know when I saw you, like, that's the way you were flowing with it. But I, I thought yeah. I'd, like, you know, throw a little little trick in there. Okay. <laughs> well, it makes sense just because, um, well, you know, we wrote a book on conflict. And I don't think anybody likes conflict. You know, we don't like conflict. And we wrote a book on it. But we do think there's value in it. And my background, really, um, I grew up with an Army colonel dad. Very scary. You just didn't disagree with the colonel. And so when I got, and that kind of led me into my career. I mean, it helped me in sports. I was able to rally a team together, which was really good. But when it came time to actually speak my opinion, I often abdicated. And when I was, I was a rower and in the 87 world championship boat, we won the silver medal. We were rocking and that group had really good conversations. In 88, when we went to the Olympics, we use this boat that they call it's a salad bar boat. It should be made into a salad bar. It should not be used. But nobody spoke up and said we shouldn't row it, even though we were having a tough time. So, and uh, I uh, went on to be uh, a Boeing engineer, got my MBA and worked at Arthur Anderson, dealing with groups of people who are implementing large scale change. And a lot of times that brings up conflict. And I was not skilled when it came to how am I going to actually deal with powerful people that have differences of opinions. And I met Susan and she, I saw her deal with this group of people where there was this bully and she stood up to him when nobody else did, not in a overpowering, but like, no, we're not going to take this. And it was quite power. And I thought, I want to learn how to do that. I want to work with this woman and I want to learn how to do that. And so we, I brought her into a client, we test drove it and it really worked. And two years later, we started our company. So. I'll let you carry on, Susan. Okay. And, uh, you know, I always sort of joke because, you know, Chris Marie does have the Olympic boat experience, you know, the Olympian experience, Boeing engineer, and uh, mine is very different. I mean, I kind of came into my passion about this, one, because in my early 20s, I um, was diagnosed with a cancer process, an advanced cancer process. And uh, at one point in my, 
I was on an experimental treatment uh, path. And when I came in to visit my doctor to kind of get an update, the medical model, you know, my doctor said, look, this isn't working. And really, honestly, you probably have about three to six months to live. And it was like a moment in time where everything sort of fell. You know, up until then, I trusted my medical team. They were the, all I had to do was show up. And um, and I was kind of, I joke about it now in business because it was like, I, I didn't, I wasn't aligned around the, business, the vision <laughs> any longer. I needed to find a different one. So I um, started talking to people of all different backgrounds, you know, from alternative medicine to psychology, to spirituality, to, and my medical team, they didn't particularly like that. Nor did, nor did the alternative doctors like the medical team, or that no one was really getting along well. And I spent a lot of time, you know, having to deal with these very smart people and say, you know, you're on Project Susan now, so you need to get over your differences and talk to each other, you know. And I was pretty passionate about that seven years later when I got out of that medical system. And I really realized, you know, smart people tend to fight over their ideas. But if someone can help them rise above that to really what what problem are you trying to solve and how could this these differences actually be utilized? And I became very passionate about that. And so that's how come I ended up working with Chris Marie. And I do find when conflict comes up for me, even though I don't like it, I do get this is it. This is the juice. If we can only find a way to hang in with each other and not contradict each other or get into right wrong, something can happen. And we really focus together, we focus on teamwork because, you know, if you're going to accomplish anything good, it's not going to be alone. You need to gather, even entrepreneurs need to gather a team around us to make sure we can be successful. And if, it, if people are just saying yes to us in our ways, we're not getting the right ideas on the table to help us grow and come up with solutions that we couldn't think of and maybe the experts could think of. And so it's really having those conversations so we come up with something even better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's great. I mean, I love how you're suggesting that we can reframe conflict to be something that we embrace, not avoid, because that's the instinct that so many yeah, of us yeah. have, right, is to run away and uh, and get get out of that as quickly as possible. It's like survival instinct, right? Yeah, um, so I have so many questions to ask you, but um, do you think that coming to resolution in conflict does it have to be a win-win or can it be, you know, like, does it always end up being a win-win if it's a satisfactory mm-hmm. resolution or can you talk to me about that? Well, one, this is Susan. I, this is Susan. Um, I, one, I don't think conflict always gets resolved. I think sometimes that's what people think is going to happen. I do think though, that when you speak up and say what you need to say and, and put your opinion out there and listen and do the ingredients that we think are critical to moving through that moment. There is a sense we we don't have to, usually we don't have to get our way or be right. We need to know we've been heard. We need to know we've been considered. We need to know that there's room for a whole different possibility and that there is no easy way to get there. So I think sometimes people are thinking it needs to be win-win. No, sometimes things have to blow up and it's, downright ugly for a while. But I mean, I I was separated from my family for 10 years because of some stuff that evolved. And it would look like that was never going to get resolved. And when we finally got back together, we didn't agree on what happened in the past, but we found a way to be in our relationship then. But it 
in my opinion, we never resolved it, but we actually learned how to relate in a new place and time where we could get the value of where we were then. And often that's, I use that as an example with people that you don't need to wait that long, but hopefully you realize this isn't about getting to ease and comfort and a solution. It's about actually being in that tension and ambiguity long enough so that something totally different can emerge. And I do think, this is Chris Marie, I really do think the, um, that idea about making room for each person's reality, it doesn't mean that you have to say my reality is right, but if, if I can exist as a person, then I'm not fighting. If, if yeah. you don't make room, oh, I'm just going to keep fighting. Yes. And then we don't get anywhere. Right. So it's really learning the skills of listening and reflecting back and actually genuinely considering with curiosity your view of the world and my view of the world. And then, yeah, it doesn't necessarily resolve, but we feel like we can exist together. Does that make sense, Ellen? It totally makes sense. So um, what I'm thinking about is stories I've heard about people that have gone into business partnerships. So imagine two business owners and now they want to join forces. They're both used to doing things their own way. They both know exactly how to do it and they're right all the time. And, and now they suddenly want to work together. So challenges often arise. And in a situation like this, where I'm sure that, you know, there's a, there's a desire to work together. And I totally agree with this idea that everybody wants to be heard. I think that that's underrated and, and very true. So both partners have to come in with this understanding about the importance of the other being heard. You know, they both have to come to the table um, they're kind of on the same page with what conflict can bring them because if one is all willing to listen and and be open and and you know whatever it, it, it's probably not going to end up in a satisfactory way unless you know they're both understanding where they're starting from does that make any sense that seems like a very complicated question no well, no I in a way what you're saying to me just reminds me because we in addition to doing a lot of work with business partnerships and teams, we also work with couples. And, you know, I also have a background in marriage and family therapy. And the one thing about, um, you know, in a couple situation, you know, normally it's always the first thing I hear is we both have to be willing to listen. He gets defensive. She gets defensive. It's, you know, my, you know, and, and I'm always kind of like, no, actually only one of you needs to step up to the plate. Don't worry about the other one. And if people can, and even in business partnerships, if one person can become curious and interested in what's so important to that other person, it is a game changer. And you can't get there by saying we both have to go there at the same time, because then there's no vulnerability in that. The vulnerability in it comes when I say, you may not ever listen to me, but I actually really want to understand why this is so important to you. And I'm going to do my best. It keeps showing up to hear that. And, you know, I, it can still sound like that person, I know people say it to me all the time, but I'm going to get beaten up or I'm not going to get my way or I'm going to lose everything. And it's like, I, I think when people show up that way, they actually gain something different. They begin to understand this other person. And that other person, that is a hugely valuable um, influencer. influencer. And it also, I mean, it, you know, if I've taken the time to listen to Susan and said, okay, tell me why it's so important to you that we do this strategy. And she, and I really take the time to understand. And then I say, uh, and now I want to actually share with you why it's so important for me that we do this other strategy. 
So I have to still bring myself forward to the right. party. Right. And I think sometimes in business partnerships, um, even in couples, in any sort of relationship, we think, but especially in business partners who have been used to doing it their way, it's always faster to do it alone. So <laughs> you, you need to recognize when you are forming a partnership, it's going to take more time. It need, you need more patience because you're slowing down to actually create this alignment here between the two of you, which will create immense velocity in the end, but it's, it feels slower in the beginning. So setting that, you know, having that kind of point of view, I think is helpful. Do you ever talk to people, and I'm sure you do, about being a really good listener? What are some tips you can give us for how to be a good an active listener. So one of the things I do because I want to jump in all the time, this is Chris Marie, is I actually will li- literally bite my lips. I'll hold them close <laughs> because I have an impulse to jump in and interject. So I will, or I'll put my hand in front of my mouth. So I'm not going to, so one, I have to, I have to deal with my own impulse. And then i remember first, if I can reflect back what this person is saying, it's going to be much better before I jump in and counter. So all I have to do is reflect back the gist and include the emotional tone like, wow, Susan, it sounds like you feel really frustrated because this is taking way too long and you don't actually think I've been listening to you. And then I could even add some empathy in that. Wow, if I were in your shoes and experiencing telling myself that story, I would be frustrated too. Now, I haven't agreed with her. I haven't said anything, but I have... I've made space for her and I put myself in her shoes and that is really powerful to help somebody settle themselves down because then I don't have to again fight to be heard. The other piece of it that I think is, uh, I mean, I think Alan Alden gave the quote about, you know, listen with the willingness to be influenced. And I think nine times out of 10, we listen with the uh, ability to defend our point shortly thereafter. <laughs> to win. To and for me, when I remember, am I willing And I check myself. Am I willing to be influenced here? Do I have genuine, how can I tweak my curiosity to be interested in this other person? Because if I can get some curiosity, it's kind of like that just opens doors. First off, it will take me out of my own storyline, which apparently isn't working if we're in the midst of a, you know, disagreeing. And it gives me an opening to, okay, um, what is going on over there? So that's really a reminder that I, I tell myself is, am I actually willing to be influenced? And when I'm not, I've found that if I just say that, that's also another way to come really clean, to be vulnerable and say, you know, right now I realize I'm not that interested. I'm not willing to be influenced. And so I don't know what to do to shift that. And sometimes just owning that, there's something in that that makes a difference. I'm being honest. I'm telling my partner I'm defensive. I'm because when you're talking about like business things, we do get threatened. Like, oh my God, we can't go into that business line. <gasps> so I'm going to have a hard time. And if I can just own, like right now, I feel really threatened. I don't think this, you know, that I can't hear your idea. It actually shifts the energy right then and there. Because I could also look at why is it so important for me right now to defend this? Because if I can get underneath why I'm feeling so defensive or such a need to have my way, then I can kind of tap it into what's really driving me. And it's usually not, it's usually not the strategy issue because our strategies are all connected to our core values, what we value most. And if we can actually get down to that level and recognize, oh, I'm fighting for, you know, for this. Let me talk more about this. Maybe that will at least 
help me show up. So, I mean, it seems it, it seems to me that you guys, you know, getting so in touch with what's really at the core of it and really being able to speak your truth, that's very liberating. That's very freeing when you can learn to do that. Do you, do you find that? Or do, you, do your clients tell you that? Yes. And I mean, it was something for me, like I, this is Chris Marie, I never really would say, I, I was like, oh, I can't actually be that honest in the moment what's happening. But as soon as I do that, my energy actually comes up because I'm not trying to be two different people like manage and, you know, manipulate out here. And this is really how I'm feeling. But if I can say in the moment, how right now I'm really frustrated or I feel threatened or I, that just brings my energy, my, who I am much more in alignment. It's it's a very brave, it's a very brave way to be in the world, you know, to show up as yourself and to not um, be always like running from the Mm -hmm. conflict. It's, it it just feels very real and important to me, the work you guys are doing. Mm, Well, thank you. You know, I think that's what we're all seeking is how to live an authentic life and how to show up. And this is one of the pieces that when you can start to do it and realize yeah, maybe she'll put me down or maybe she'll make fun of me. But you know what? I'm all big and grown up and I can actually take care of myself. I think we, we tend to think we're still six, seven, ten, whatever it is. And that feels, oh, so. Although, to be honest, no entrepreneur or business person ever wants to admit that. But nine times out of ten, we are operating at some younger level. Younger level. We've just made it much more sophisticated. You know, so. Very true. Very true. <laughs> and I kind of wonder like with, so you do a lot of work with teams and getting teams um, to embrace their conflict, to see the beauty in their conflict and to move beyond it, I guess. Mm-hmm. Those are my words. I don't know if you'll agree well, with that. Use, we would say to use it to get to, to use create. it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To use it. But what I, and I, I, I have a question. I'm not basing this on anything except my own assumptions. So it may not be true. But I'm kind of like assuming that as a business owner or as the boss, one of the first things that would come to my mind would be like, oh, if we get into that, it's going to be take up so much time to like <laughs> let this conflict out and everybody's going to be talking and talking. And when are they going to do the work? You know, so do you um, like, does it end up being an efficient thing for businesses to bring up or does it just, you know, become like, oh, we're just going to talk about our feelings all week or, you know. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, what, that's great. This is Susan. What's so funny about that is that is the most classic line we get from See, business. See, I'm channel. I was trying to channel that. <laughs> you know, and you know, again, you know, we're not suggesting that you dive into your feelings and emote and process for hours. We actually think, you know, hey, you can have a very rich discussion, and the more people get good at conflict. And realize that it's not the end-all, be-all. They're going to survive. They're going to thrive in it, really. They get more comfortable with that tension and ambiguity. Then, you know, things start to happen quickly. And often we'll say to a leader, you don't need to have, if this is going on too long, speak up. You know, let them know I'm getting uncomfortable because I don't want to spend two hours on this discussion. But I do want it to be a good discussion. So let's dive into it quickly for 20 minutes. And we've seen teams deal with pretty intense things what once they began to realize they can do it they can handle that discomfort individually they know what to do and they know how to support each other in making that space and then things happen quickly but we do have to you know i mean i 
when we're working with a team, we say to them, we're not going to spend two hours duking this out. We actually, you need to either say what you need to say and we're going to move on. And if you don't say what you need to say, you're going to miss that opportunity. It's probably going to come back up. We're just giving you that as a heads up. I mean, one of the things, uh, people avoid conflict because they think it's going to be inefficient. Uh, and really, they're afraid of the emotional, oh, the emotion is going to get really emotional. And it does slow things down. But we find, like, especially on teams, if you can start to do some trust building so that people get to know, hey, my style is this way because of how I grew up. Susan's style is this way because, you know, we start to actually create more space and trust. And it took me a while to realize, you know what, we can survive this and we get to so much better solutions. We've seen every team that we work with, we spend a little time doing that. And then when they get to the business strategy, it starts happening like that. It's amazing. So it looks inefficient, but I think that's really kind of an excuse for our own discomfort. Like, I don't know if I can control this. This is, you know, and, and what Susan's saying is the, back to the topic we were talking about la- uh, just a minute ago. If I can say, you know what, I'm uncomfortable. This has gone on too long for me. We either need to wrap it up or we're going to come back to this or find a different way through this. We have discovered sometimes with teams, there's a need for people to do, instead of talk about it, to have them do what we call the thumbs up, which means Stop the, if you're getting impatient, stop the dialogue and find out where people are. So a thumbs up means I'm in. Even if I'm still disagreeing with you about something, I'm all in. Thumbs to the side means I still have some issues, but I'm mostly in. Thumbs down means nothing you're saying is impacting me and I'm going to keep fighting. And I don't know how many times, even teams that are very passionate, passionate, seem to have differences. Sometimes we stop them and said, let's just do the thumbs because we might be spinning here. And I'd say nine times out of 10, those teams are all thumbs up. They're just used to having that kind of debate. Or, and, or there's that one or two that are sideways and you can actually, you know, you can address those issues right away. And maybe it's worst case scenario yeah. looking at, you know, because people are afraid of the decision that's coming up. So there's ways through that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's interesting what you said too, like it, it's there. If you don't address this stuff, these underlying issues, they're still there oh, and they well, affect everything. You know, it's kind of like, the some 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 of the current politics, you know, it's a little disturbing, but those things were there and now they're open, they're out in the open. Yeah. And so we can deal with them. And it, it kind of makes me think of what you're talking about. Like those issues are there and you're you're just like letting them be dealt with in a in a uh, productive way. It's true. I mean if you, if you if you shut down the conflict like, okay, no, we don't have time for this. You know what's going to happen as soon as they walk out the room? They're all going to go beep, 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 talking to each other about it. and mm-hmm. Factions will right. start happening. It'll cause so much drag on the business system. Mm-hmm. You really want to take the time to hash it out. Yeah, that makes sense to me. And just to be open and, and direct. Like, I'm a very direct person. I, I like that. <laughs> um, so I have a question. I, once I interviewed a business coach and a sales coach, sorry, and um, one of the statements he said, it's always kind of bothered me. He said, winning is the only thing that matters. And that, it's always kind of like stuck with me. And I've been like, is it, is it really the only thing that matters? Like, what do you think about that as, as conflict experts? <laughs> well, it reminds me of the, the godfather, you know, like uh, it's, it's not personal. It's just business. So I'm going to beat you no matter what, that sort of thing. Yeah. So I think, very patriarchal answer, quite frankly. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And um, 
and I grew up in that. Hey, I'm an Olympic athlete. It was about winning, but I, I have learned it's about the process and keeping me whole as a person, because that's what's actually going to help me. This is a marathon. It is not a sprint. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I think we focus on just the sprint. We use up ourselves too much and our burn out our relationships. So it is a constant, I think, um, business is personal, but and you have business to do. Both things are important. So we are big believers in taking care of the journey and coming out on top. We, we are all in it to win. And I don't want to run over people just to win. So that I wouldn't feel good about that at this stage of my life. Mm-hmm. I was thinking, though, you know, although I, I, I mean, I do think if you I, I like to believe like I remember when I first met Chris Marie, you know, she was the Olympian and um, people you know, sometimes we'd arm wrestle and she would, <laughs> you know, she would basically I kind of got she was like, well, I'm a lot stronger than you or so. I don't remember how the story was going. Yeah, you know, I, don't just oh, don't I just give in. Like, that's insane. Like, don't let I, me I'd win lose, or I'd lose to her or, or you know, 50 50. And I was like, right. well, I am going in to win. So the attitude of I want to win and I want someone to rise up and meet me in my desire to win. Um, But it's not all about the win. If there's not a good, if someone's not there, if I'm just running over people, winning doesn't even feel good. It just feels like some, you know, weird solo activity. Mm -hmm. But when winning is like, like when she actually was like, I don't mind losing to you if I was all in, because in my mind, I still win then. I didn't lose. Like mm-hmm. I only lose if we're doing this marginal, you let me win. And, yeah. and so I often think of that. Like I do think in business, it's important to have a desire to win, but don't actually assume that I got, there was a bunch of entrepreneurs who sat around a table and someone said, tell me about your biggest failure or loss. And most of them said, I don't, I don't think I've ever lost. And you know, the person who was interviewing said, well, what do you mean? And they were like, well, that's just not the attitude. It's not, you know, I can get something out of what could seem like a loss or a failure. So I'm still winning. Mm-hmm. So it, I kind of wonder, you know, how it's really about defining that. And even in yeah. conflict, some people will say, well, this isn't a battle. This, this isn't worth it. I'll just give in and I'll do it her way. And, and that it's, it's like putting a nail in the coffin, your coffin, because yeah. it takes away your energy and finding ways to say, hang in. And I have to remind myself to do this. Like, no, 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 don't give up. See if you can find another way to bring your point of view forward because this isn't working for you. And mm-hmm. if you don't, it's going to put a wedge in the relationship and you're going to start to want to separate and find somebody else to work with. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, interesting. So I want to talk a little bit about um, the work you're doing with couples, this romantic relationships yeah. work you, you're um, into now. But do you ever do anything with kids to teach them these skills? We have. Uh, yes. And I, I've probably done more of that over the years because I used to spend a lot of time with families and kids and groups and different things like that. Even ADD. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, very effective. Kids. Wouldn't <laughs> it be great to know these skills when you're they, young, yeah. you know, or teenagers or. They pick them up quicker than adults. Yeah. yeah. You, know, <laughs> um, you know, and it's very, it's, it's quite fascinating. One thing, because children are not as afraid of their own emotions. So they mm-hmm. will even some space and permission to kind of deal with that. They will. And um, so they're also not as so facade oriented, yeah. like, oh, okay, I've got to look cool. And I can't say they're more willing to be them 
depending mm-hmm. on the background. And so they're more willing to speak up and say how they really think, what they think, feel, and want. Mm-hmm. And that's what we encouraging everybody to do in the work that we do with people. And I, a lot of times we do get people saying to us, I wish you could come in and work in the school system. I wish you could do, and we've done a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes teachers aren't too fond of consultants. So yeah. that's all, you know, mm-hmm. that's been a barrier we've had to kind of work through, like help us help you be able to deliver this because I think it would be useful. Mm-hmm. But, you know. Yeah. I just think it's so interesting because it's so empowering and even, you know, you're right that kids are good at talking about what they want and being open with their emotions, but that part about listening, you know, and being able to have empathy and all of that, it's, it's, um, it's a skill that we don't, many, many of us don't pay enough attention to teaching, I think. Yeah. We're um, modeling. I mean, nine modeling. Times, yeah. you know, children nine times out of 10 are modeling what they've seen. Mm-hmm. So they actually haven't really been listened to. So they don't assume that listening is important. Even if their parent says you should listen to me, if they if a parent never or teacher never demonstrates listening, never models it, that's the one thing about kids. They're very visceral, visceral, and all mm-hmm. you know. They're like, I know you said listening, but listening means talking, because <laughs> that's what you do. <laughs> you know? and, you know, so yeah, and I've had little kids say that to their parents, you know, and I was like, okay, the wisdom of ch- children, you know. <laughs> Yeah. Interesting. So I think that's a good segue into couples. Um, okay. <laughs> how is your work with couples um, very different from the the work in business? Is it, are there some striking differences, or is it all the same principles? What, what well, do you find? The the this is Chris Marie. The model we use is very similar, which is how do you because there's anytime two people are together and you're dealing with differences, we tend to want to, like you said, run away, get away. Mm -hmm. And so what happens when you do that in a couple or a business partnership, it starts to kill the energy of the relationship. Mm -hmm. And so we teach skills to how to lean in and use it, which revitalizes the energy, the passion in a couple, intimacy, aliveness. So uh, the skills are the same. The topics, you know, couples are, um, I think, more willing to show up more raw and messy because that's how they deal with it at home. And so they're in, and most of the work happens in their dyad, in their couple. And we kind of go around and help them have these conversations. Uh, It's very satisfying though, because people are most times couples don't get together. And so everybody, nobody talks about what's not working except to their girlfriends or the buddies, whatever. And so here we're in a situation where we have 10, 12 couples in a room and it's not like tons of stuff is being aired, but you get the sense of what's going on and people are going, oh my God, we're not the only ones. We struggle with this too. Yeah. They struggle with it too. We're not crazy. Yeah. And so you see the, the humanity and the connection that comes through when couples are working together, you know, working in the same And, way. you know, honestly, you know, people, a lot of times in couples, like we're two women and the first thing we get is how are you going to help us? Like, because yeah, we're a man we're and a woman. Man and woman. And clearly, men are from Mars, women, whatever they've read. <laughs> and we're like, okay, that's what you're going to say. But the reality, that is just an excuse to not get to intimacy. And the one thing about having two women leading this program is you're not going to be able to use that as an excuse. So we're not going to be able to. You're going to see the difference. And the same patterns will show up. And I'm always amazed at how many times at the end of a program, someone will say, wow, I was, uh, you, you at least got me to get that 
that's a way I can make an excuse because that's, you know, you're a woman, you don't understand me. You're a man, you don't understand me. And so, you know, it's really about two different people and bridging the differences because while we go through the program, sometimes somebody would relate to me and how I am like around money, being very conservative around money or Somebody would relate to Susan about, gosh, can't we take a vacation? You know, like the story of the things that are happening, uh, you find a relationship and it's really, how do I build a bridge and show up? How do I be me in the face of we is really the struggle so many Mm -hmm. of us, you know, you know, are working with, challenged with. Mm -hmm. So, you know, in that respect, it's, it really is a lot of the same dynamics and people, you know, it's hard to know. Yeah, I would say, you know, when we're working with an executive team or startup business, the same level of passion and, you know, it's a romance. You know, a startup company is like, it's like a romance. And sometimes they are on dopamine. They come up (laughs) with some crazy, you know, the same thing. And until you actually get to know each other, until you get to know your business and hash it out, and that's the same way in a couple. And unless you're willing to kind of not not make an excuse for not being able to understand because yeah, you might, men and women might be different or we may come from different backgrounds, but the reality of it is we could still work to understand each other and we could still work to build a bridge. And that is true, whether it's, you know, passionate business leaders or a passionate couple, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so that's where the similarities lie. Mm. And we really love the sweet spot is when we get a couple that's in, in business, business together. Like a, you know, that's our sweet spot. <laughs> <laughs> and it is a challenge, but more and more people, I think today want to do like, want to do that. Like where we are in Montana, there are a lot of families, couples that have started businesses because they want to be here. They want the lifestyle. They want, you know, to have their kids be able to go to schools here, whatever. And you know, they're facing the challenges of, can we do business together? And it's right up against all of, all sorts of things come up. Yeah. You know, so. Wow. That's, that's absolutely fascinating. And it's interesting how similar, and it makes sense how similar all of the relationships, you know, are at their core. It's people, yeah. really people. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's really cool. So unfortunately, we are out of time. I I feel like I have a million more questions I didn't get to ask you because I do on my paper. <laughs> but we're going to have to wrap up for this time. Maybe we can have you back in the future. Oh, we would love to. Yeah, we would love just, to. It was fun. And I, I, we did want to give an offer to your listeners, a time-bound, whatever this uh, okay. is, what we would... Um, what we'd like to invite people to do is they can have a copy of our book, The Beauty of Conflict, for free, just uh, paying like six ninety five for shipping. So what they just need to do is email us at thrive at thriving.com, and you can maybe put that in the show notes. Um, but we'll we'll do it for thirty days from the day of release to the so we so we know when we're shipping. <laughs> uh, we want to give people who are listening um, an opportunity to read the book. Oh, that's awesome. Thank you so much. You bet. You bet. You guys are the best. All right. (laughs) That's really cool. Well, thank you so much for being here. This was really fascinating. And uh, for the generous offer, which I absolutely will put in the notes, I'll also put in the notes your website and how to contact you, your social media pages, a link to the book, because it is, I have the book. It's fabulous. I, I should... I, I didn't know we would have a camera today or I would have it here and I'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but thank you so much. Thank you everybody for listening. My guests were Chris Marie Campbell and Susan Clark. They were great. Thank you for being here. 
Thank, Thank you, you, Ellen. This is yeah. a, a real treat. We appreciate the op- uh, opportunity. Yes. Okay, wonderful. Thank you, and I um, hope to see everybody next week when uh, we release another episode of this podcast. So tune back in then. Thank you for listening today, and have a great one. Thanks for tuning in to Ready, Set, Grit, Your Life on Purpose with Ellen Barton. Look us up online at readysetgrit.com, where you'll find daily inspiration, links to our social media, and where you can access our ebooks and online classes. Ready, Set, Grit. Inspired actions, real results.